Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Reach Films Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fagan, and I know it's been a hot minute since I've done one of these podcast episodes, but uh, to keep it short, I uh, have not had the live streaming set up here in the studio for quite a little bit. Uh, but finally, I set it back up and decided it's time to do another one of these. Uh, it's just going to be me today. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things going on in the filmmaking world, like the Black Magic 12K price reduction, which has caused quite of a, a stir uh, lately in the community, and some other things like 3D printing, one year with the Komodo, and why I bought a Pocket 6K here in 2020. So uh, just to let you guys know, I am here live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, actually on my personal channel on Facebook. I've got my MacBook Air over here in the corner, so you may see me look over, check the comments. If you guys want to leave any comments and I can pull them up on screen, feel free to go ahead. I'm actually going to go and activate Facebook so anyone who leaves a comment on Facebook, uh, I can see it because they, uh, they do something weird on Facebook where they make you activate it first every time. So give me one second. But how is everybody doing today? Uh, let me know in the chat. How is your Tuesday going? Uh, mine has been pretty busy up until now. I uh, actually wanted to kick this podcast off a little bit earlier now um, just because I have a little bit going on today. So here I am on Facebook. Got to change those privacy settings. So annoying that they make you do this live. All right, and we're changed. So let's get on with the show. So first things first, let's talk about the... Blackmagic 12K price reduction. Um, that's caused quite of a stir because uh, if you don't know what the Blackmagic 12K is, it is their Blackmagic Ursa Mini 12K camera that was revolutionary because it gave you 12K resolution in a way that other cameras didn't, where you could use the full sensor of the camera, shoot 12K, 8K, 4K, even 1080 at full sensor and get B-RAW. So it was revolutionary for what it offered because most cameras like the Red Komodo, even Blackmagic's other cameras, if you, let's say they're a 6K camera, if you decide you want to shoot 4K, 1080, whatever it may be, it crops in on the sensor. And that wasn't the case with the 12K. However, with the 12K, there came some trade-offs. Uh, number one trade-off was the fact that it was a little bit over $10,000. So I think that kind of factors into why they reduce the price. Uh, I think people didn't necessarily want to be test dummies and spend over $10,000 when you had something like, sorry, uh, when you had something like the Ursa uh, Mini G2 that had much better dynamic range than the uh, 12K camera at a much more affordable price. Also, you had cameras like the Red Komodo that just came out around that time. You also had the Pocket 6K, uh, and now we have the 6K Pro. There were just a lot of different options, and 10000 was kind of out of the range I think people were willing to spend for a first-generation camera, even though it was in the body of an Ursa Mini. I'm just pulling up the chat over here. Oh, we got Drew. Drew is one of the OGs. If you guys haven't heard of Craft Show, check them out on YouTube. Uh, Drew actually has an Ursa Mini G2. I know he loves it, and uh, he's saying right now, which I completely agree, I don't think it looks as good as the G2, and I, I completely agree. The uh, Ursa Mini 12K, it had less dynamic range, and that means a lot to a lot of people. Uh, Scott Balcom likes to say a lot, the Ursa Mi uh, 12K is a really good 4K camera, and I tend to agree, but if you're going to get it for 4K, why not just get an Ursa Mini G2? Uh, it's 4.6K. You've got a lot of dynamic range. Um, now, 
let's get off to why Ursa Mini G2 owners are kind of pissed. Support has stopped for the Ursa Mini G2 officially. Um, now a lot of owners are not all of them, but a lot of them are upset because I feel like they're not necessarily using, uh, their G twos as much as they thought they would. And they hit a, a nice price reduction on what their G two would be. But my answer to that would be the Ursa mini G two has so much more that it has more dynamic range than the 12 K. And to me, a much more pleasing image. I wouldn't necessarily look at it as the 12 K took its spot. I think Black Magic had to strategically lower the price of their 12K to get people interested in that camera because at, at over $10,000, I really don't believe in, I, I'm not basing this on facts, I'm basing this on my belief and looking at the industry. I don't believe they sold a crazy amount of them, especially compared to what they sold with the 12, uh, with the 4.6K model. Wow, Drew has, they have two Ursa Mini G2s now. And uh, yeah, dude, it, it's a great camera. It is. It is such a good camera. I know you guys ended up loving it. Um, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily unfortunate that uh, Blackmagic lowered the price. I think it was kind of a long time coming, especially uh, when you have cameras like the Komodo, which was a, a red camera that was much less, albeit 6K, but it was much less. Uh, it was 6,000 versus the 10,000 of the 12K. Uh, yeah, well, you also have the Z cams. The Z cams have a really nice image and they have full frame cameras too. They have great dynamic range. You have the, the Lumix cameras. You've got the uh, Canon R5. There's just so many different options. I think the 12K was just priced wrong. And I think it was unfortunate that they kept it there for so long. Uh, so it was kind of a, a long time coming. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people see it as a bad thing. But I do think it's a good thing because... What would be great is to see the next evolution of the 12K sensor technology. Let's get a new camera that has much better dynamic range, better frame rates, replace that 12K what it was, um, pretty much do something between maybe the 12K and the Ursa Mini G2. That would be really great. But overall, I don't really have a, a stake in that game because I never got the 12K. Actually, Drew uh, came on the show last year when the 12K was announced and we discussed it. And I think we both agreed the the technology was revolutionary, but for the price point, it just wasn't necessarily worth it. So kind of leave there. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below on the 12K, but I didn't want to dedicate an entire episode to discussing the 12K. So that's why I decided to add it today's podcast. So let's move on to the uh, next topic. So 3D printing, you may notice behind me, whoop, right there, I've got the uh, FlashForge Adventure 3 3D printer, and I have really got into 3D printing a lot more than I thought I would. You may have seen one of the videos I did. Let's go back here. And I 3D printed this lens housing. I have a video on it. I'll put a link in the description below after this video airs. But essentially, one of the first projects I did was 3D print this housing which essentially it's for a Helios 5844-2, uh, and it gives it a follow focus. And it just makes the lens actually, weirdly enough, a lot more functional. Uh, so that was the first project I did. I also printed some extra things like, you know, I did the EF lens cap. Um, also, weirdly enough, uh, they have really good print in place, which means you just print it once and you don't have to print a bunch of pieces lens caps. So this is a 3D printed lens cap. It was uh, really fun to do. And I ended up printing out a bunch of other stuff. So I'll show you guys. I did uh, things I didn't design. And then I, there's some stuff that I did help design. 
Um, we have follow focus rings. This is actually for the uh, Tilta. Sorry, guys, I'm getting a phone call in. Hmm. I got the uh, Tilta Nucleus Nano. This is basically so you can mark and make your marks on the Tilta Nucleus Nano hand wheel without having to mark the device itself. So there's just a lot of really cool different things. Oh, let me grab this. They have a 3D printed uh, M42 to PL adapter. Pretty cool. It works. Now, I wouldn't necessarily use this piece specifically for professional work because it is a 3D printed lens mount. It's why on the Helios, I actually got a metal EF adapter. Um, but in a pinch, if you want to do experiment, these do work. Um, they just, over time, it's a 3D print. So if you do put a lot of wear on them, they will go down. But let's talk about what I actually have been working on design-wise with my buddy Mark Schuster. So if you use, oh, I should probably grab this too. So if you use the Red Komodo or you use uh, any RF mounted camera, you may have heard of, let me put these down. You may have heard of these drop-in filter adapters. So this is the ND filter, uh, the ND variable ND drop-in filter. And one of my complaints was that if you get other filters, the case that comes with it is just massive. And it was not portable. Uh, it just really irked me that Canon wouldn't give us some kind of portable case. And I noticed Breakthrough Filters have portable cases with their drop-in filters, and they didn't sell them, which I totally would have purchased one. So I took it upon myself. I went to my buddy, Mark Schuster, and I said, hey, Mark, do you think we can print some cases for these filters. And so this is the first one that we have, and it works with any non, um, basically any filter that doesn't have a scroll wheel on it, like a variable ND. So this doesn't work for all of them, but this was basically the prototype one, which worked for things like the clear filter, or any solid NDs, uh, and it worked pretty well. And then here is the one that we experimented with that does work with the variable NDs, but it's not finished yet. Uh, obviously, this isn't the exact shape we want to go for, but we wanted to make sure we can get it to a place where it actually worked and it clips in place. So, for instance, I'll go pull out the uh, variable ND and it clips in place. It doesn't come out. Uh, it's it's in there and, you, you know, you just pull it out to take it out. Uh, but we want to make them look a little bit nicer. So they will be available. Um, we'll probably make them available for sale at some point. Uh, don't know when that will be because, again, it isn't perfected yet. But let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. We are thinking about actually doing some customized logos on them if you guys want them. Don't know what the price point is going to be for that. As far as the basic cases, we're probably going to sell them for around 20 bucks. But, again, I'll let you guys know more about it once they're available because they are not finalized yet. Um, the last – oh, I have two more things that I printed, which were pretty cool. And I just want to talk about 3D printing for filmmaking because it's so cool that you can 3D print items uh, for your camera. Uh, so this, again, is not a finalized piece, but this actually was not created by me. It was created by someone in the Red Komodo users group, and for some reason they took it down. But what this does is it attaches to the top of the Komodo, and it actually locks the uh, RF to EF adapter in place to reduce wiggle if you're using a follow focus. It actually works really well. I don't know why the guy took it offline. Maybe he decided he wanted to sell it instead. Um, but this was my first attempt at printing it. It uh, it works really well, but 
I didn't use supports on it. So you can see like little things right, right here. It didn't look nice, but again, this was kind of the experiment and it does work well. So, uh, I was really stoked on that. And, and that's kind of what flicked my brain. I'm like, there's gotta be so much you can do for 3d printing, um, in filmmaking. Something kind of funny that I printed was this, this clapper. It's just supposed to be a one-handed clapper. Uh, literally just a sync sound, nothing too crazy prints like really quick, but that, this was just a kind of an experiment right here. And then of course, because we got the Spider-Man far from home trailer, uh, or was it not far from home? No, not home. I don't know, but the new Spider-Man trailer came out and I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen it and we're pretty stoked on it. And so we got little things like these busts, which are not filmmaking necessarily related, but pretty cool um, to print and you kind of paint them afterwards. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been an interesting journey, 3d printing, uh, filmmaking devices. So I'll do more content like this on the channel, but I kind of wanted to show where I'm at so far. Talk a little bit about the filters and, uh, next we're going to move on to the red Komodo. <laughs> yeah, I, I printed one of these for fun. Uh, literally a red Komodo, but, uh, let's talk about one year with the red Komodo. I'm going to pull up comments here. Drew, nice. Yep, that's that's what we're working with. Just doing this 3D printed stuff. Um, oh, uh, you know what? We'll do that in another video because that's not important. But so let's talk about one year with the red Komodo. Pull up my nice little because I'd made them anyways. One year with the red Komodo. So I've had the Komodo for over a year now, believe it or not, and I've used it on four commercials. Uh, well, four big projects. Uh, three of them were commercials. One of them was a short film. And that's really been it in the past year, really due to some personal stuff. I haven't been working as much voluntarily, um, but the camera has been paid times over uh, between that work. So I ended up keeping the Komodo till now. And I've, I've used it on a lot of personal projects as well. I've done some YouTube videos. So I have put a decent amount of hours on that camera and I still have it because I really do like the camera, but after owning it for a year, I've realized a few different things um, that I kind of wanted to put out there because I think people still are in this, I really want the red Komodo vibe. They're, they're saving up for it. They're taking out loans for it. They're getting on waiting lists or they're, they're buying used red Komodos or people who just got a red Komodo in for absorbent amount of money that uh, you, know, you could just wait and get one in. So I wanted to kind of talk about what it is. So the red Komodo is of course a red camera, but really what it comes down to is, although it's very small, it's very portable, it's got great image quality. The red Komodo is essentially a 6k 24p camera. It doesn't really do crazy frame rates. If, if you want to get 60p, you got to crop into the sensor to shoot 4k and it comes with limitations at that point. You don't have as much ISO flexibility. You're cropping in more to the sensor. So it's, I like to consider it a 6K 24P camera. If you need to shoot with the red and you don't need 8K and you're shooting 24P, the red Komodo is probably the best option for the money. Uh, it's much cheaper kitted out than a Helium 8K, um, not so much cheaper than a 5K Gemini. But at the same time, if you're only shooting 24P, you're going to get a fantastic image quality off of the Komodo. I came from a sports background. Uh, some of you may know this. Uh, ever since 2009, uh, I shot sports professionally, and I stopped in around uh, 2018. And 
in sports, frame rates are a huge deal. And, and I actually experimented trying to shoot some sports with the Komodo. And although the global shutter absolutely helps in those scenes where, you know, you may be panning really quickly, um, when it comes to frame rates, the frame rates just didn't cut it for shooting sports uh, and kind of getting that really smooth motion, especially when, you know, you're shooting wakeboarding where people are doing stuff really quickly and you want to have that slow motion uh, and you want more than 60 frames per second. And I feel like we're spoiled now. Because, you know, back in the day, being able to even get 1080p 60 was like huge. But now, you know, that the Komodo shoots 6K 40 frames per second or 5K 48 frames per second, uh, 4K 60 frames or 120 um, frames at 2K. The problem is at 2K, you're super cropped in. Again, you're limited with your ISOs. So it all comes back to the red Komodo is a 6K 24P camera, to put it simply. So if you want to be in the RED ecosystem or you want to add the camera to your RED ecosystem and you're okay with it being 24P, it's a great camera. It's a great option. But if you need extra frame rates, you're going to have to look elsewhere. The other thing too is when it comes to the price of the Komodo and when you get all the accessories, when you do each gig, you should be pricing the gigs depending on uh, obviously your time, but all the equipment you're bringing. And so one of the things, and I got a plane going overhead. I don't know if you guys hear that, but uh, <laughs> well, letting it pass. So in, in certain gigs, I've brought the Komodo because the client wanted red and they were willing to pay for it. But they were, there was a few gigs I had this year where the client really wanted red, but they couldn't afford it. And they could definitely afford more than, let's say, using a plain DSLR like a GH5, but they couldn't necessarily just afford to shoot on red. It was, it's not just, you know, the cost of the camera, but it's also you know, the storage space. Um, and, and actually, yeah, the storage space and the cost of storage for them, they just couldn't afford it. So one of the cameras I bought, which we'll move on to the next subject. Buying a Blackmagic Pocket 6K in 2021. So uh, I didn't originally plan on buying a Pocket 6K, especially after the 6K Pro uh, came out. But once I was looking into it, I actually, you may have seen, I did the videos with the Blackmagic Pocket 6K last year uh, when I got the Komodo, and I really did like it. Uh, but at the time, I didn't really need another 6K camera. But now... The 6K comes in handy for a few situations. Um, one, as a B cam to the Red Komodo. If you're a decent colorist, you can match them. It's going to take some effort and post, but I, it's nice being able to have the 6K Komodo and the 6K pocket camera. Um, and, you know, the other thing is you have B Raw on the pocket 6K. Also, the pocket 6K comes in a much more affordable price point. Uh, especially compared to something like the kitted out Komodo, where in a lot of in a lot of situations, I have clients who maybe don't necessarily need 6K, but they absolutely want 4K and they want to shoot on something with really great quality. That's where the Pocket 6K comes in because I can shoot at 6K. I can give them a, a little bit more manageable file sizes. It's not much better, but I think the key is, is that I can give it to them and the shoot ends up being a lot more affordable coming in with a Pocket 6K versus the Komodo. 
The other reason I got it is I still have a Pocket 4K. We're actually shooting this on a Pocket 4K right now. And so in certain situations where I don't necessarily need the Komodo, but I need a two-camera setup and I don't want to spend a lot of time in post matching the cameras, well, I can use a Pocket 6K and a 4K, and voila, it's pretty easy to match those. It's a lot easier to match the 6K and the 4K than it is to match the 6K to the Komodo, even though it is possible. Uh the last point of why I would buy a Pocket 6K, you may have noticed I mentioned the 6K Pro. Well, the Pocket 6K isn't much less as far as features than a 6K Pro. You're missing the built-in ND filters, which the built-in ND filters on the 6K Pro still have some color shifting issues. Uh, you're using the uh, battery, the LPE6 batteries, which I actually like because I've had a bunch from my Pocket 4K. And the Pocket 6K uses the Sony MPF batteries, so it's a different battery. Uh, I don't really record sound internally unless I'm doing something like this where it's a live stream. So I didn't need that extra XLR. And a big point, which isn't as big of a deal if you're buying a Pocket 6K Pro to be your only camera, but it is if you're buying multiple Pocket cameras. The accessories are not transferable from camera to camera, for, at least from the Pocket 6K and the 4K to the 6K Pro. It's a different body size. And like I said, if you're just shooting on a 6K Pro, that's your only camera, or you're shooting on multiple 6K Pros, well, you can share the accessories. But if you're like me and you have a Pocket 6K and a Pocket 4K, or like I had before, multiple Pocket 4Ks, you it's nice to be able to share the accessories between cameras, which you just can't do on the Pocket 6K Pro to the uh, regular 6K and the 4K. So I decided to go get a Pocket 6K. I've had it for, hmm, I'll say I've had it for like two and a half months. Uh, and I've only shot one uh, as far as commercial project on it. I used it as a B cam. Uh, but I've used, I've done a lot of test footage with it. I have some projects coming up that I am going to be using this as a B cam with the Komodo. And I've been really happy with it so far. Uh, if I had to complain about anything, I would say my uh, my only complaint is the fact that on a lot of gimbals, it seems that you have to use the older firmware, uh, the 6.96 firmware, uh, in order to get full camera control out of the USB-C on the Pocket 6K. And that was the same issue on the Pocket 4K. It would be nice if either Blackmagic or the gimbal makers were able to fix that because, um, because of that issue, I'm still on firmware 6.96. And uh, if you've been paying attention to the firmware updates, the newest firmware for the Pocket 6K actually lets you shoot uh, 4K in B-RAW, which is a welcome addition. Uh, it also has things like it naturally shoots in Gen 5 color science. The histogram is a little bit better. There's, there's some upgrades, and I'd like to be able to use them, uh, but I can't right now because the USB-C doesn't seem to work that well with, you know, something like the Crane 2S that I have. That's kind of my main gimbal right now. Uh, I've had some questions pop up on the channel from Pocket 6K Pro users asking me, hey, why is my 6K Pro not working with the Zhiyun Crane 2S? Uh, I thought it was supported. And I'm guessing it's the same reason. I'm guessing whatever protocols, the newest firmwares just don't work that well for control over the Pocket cameras. So, if I had to have a complaint of the 6K, that's really my complaint. I hope that gets fixed soon. Um, but for now, I'm just staying on an older firmware uh, because 
to me, being able to control the focus, being able to control aperture ISO, uh, the only thing I, ha I have an issue controlling still on those gimbals is uh, shutter speed. Uh, but having the control of everything else is huge. So, uh, yeah, for now I'm on the older firmware, but otherwise love the pocket six K pro. Um, one of the things I'm waiting to do, I've don't, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this video I put on the channel. I used a program called Cinematch. Um, and what Cinematch does is it lets you match different cameras to other cameras. Um, I would say the only limitation is it only works well if the camera that you need is they have that profile in Cinematch. So one of the issues I'm having is they have the Pocket 6K, they have the Pocket 4K, they have something like the DJI Mavic 2 Pro. They've got, a, they've got red cameras, but they don't have the red Komodo yet. So I'm waiting to see how well the red Komodo works uh, once they add the profile, because I do know they're working on it. Uh, and it would be nice to use that to match the Pocket 6K to the Komodo instead of you know, color grading. Just in really quick situations where if I don't have the time to hire a colorist or really spend a lot of time to color the footage, that's where Cinematch would come in. As far as matching the other cameras to each other, Cinematch works really well, but I'm waiting to do more content with Cinematch once they release the Komodo update, which I heard they're about to come out with the Komodo update, not just for Cinematch, but I'm trying to remember uh, Film Convert. Film Convert are the people behind Cinematch, and I know they're coming out with a Film Convert profile for Cinematch plus Film Convert uh, soon. So, uh, so yeah, going to... Uh, probably wrap it up here in a few minutes, but I'm going to go over to the comments and see what's going on. Sorry, I uh, haven't flipped over. I have the MacBook Air over here to the side, so I haven't. Uh, what's worth more, you or the camera? Make clients pay for the talent, not the gear. Roll the gear cost. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Drew. Um, I roll the gear costs into the rate and that's part of the reason why I ended up getting the pocket 6k just because I didn't necessarily, my whole thing with the Komodo is I don't like putting hours on it. If either I'm not, if, if the project isn't paying for it and I'm not, you know, into the project to necessarily give them the Komodo pro bono, I rather just use a pocket 6k because the quality, the image quality is really good. Really, the biggest difference is the sensor is just slightly smaller, which isn't that big of a deal for me. And the rolling shutter is obviously a lot more on the 6K. But for talking heads, for B-roll purposes, if you're not you know, shooting action sports or whatnot, the rolling shutter hasn't really been that big of a deal for me. But yeah, um, you, uh, that's why I roll everything into, the, into my rate. That's why I got the 6K to be able to offer a 6K camera but at a more affordable rate. And let's see, can't post comments to some destinations. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to go over today. I wanted to talk about things that I ne didn't necessarily warrant a full video on its own. Um, and yeah, if uh, I plan on doing more of these, maybe I'll get Drew to come on one of the shows. Uh, I do want to start having guests again. Again, I haven't really done many of these besides the fact that my Studio hasn't been set up for live streaming until now. I have been traveling a decent amount, uh, some work-related, some not. Uh, so it's it's held me from being able to do these live streams. But I do like being able to do this to connect with you guys. I did keep StreamYards because for, for Jazz Is, you may see the poster behind me, we still do live stream every once in a while. Uh, so 
I have the ability to do it. I just needed to set myself up again and not just going to be live streaming here, but I'll be live streaming there as well. Miss your face too, Drew. Miss your face too. Talking to you, talking to Jeff Worley, you guys always brighten up my day. Uh, again, if you guys have not seen Craft Show, they 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 Drew just started posting some more stuff on his channel. Uh, I know he got a Pocket 6K. I think you got a Pocket 6K Pro. So let me know how you're liking that. Um, but yeah, Craft Show is amazing. They've inspired me to start this channel. I'm, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't have been here without it. They've inspired other people. If you've heard of Everyday Dad, uh, he does a lot of. Uh, I think he did a lot of cameras. Now he does more general tech, but I mean, he even admits he uh, craft show inspired him. So definitely give them a peek. If you haven't seen their content, they did a lot of good stuff. Drew did a lot of good stuff comparing the GH five to the red showing how much you can do with that camera. And it, it inspired me to get a GH five back in the day. So anywho, uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you guys for watching. I'm just getting this uh, ready over on the end. There we go. Thank you guys for watching. If you guys have any questions about things I touched on in today's video, please make sure to ask them in the comments below. And if you guys want to see more content like this and you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like, smash that subscribe button and notification bell. And until next time, thank you for watching, everybody. My name is Jeff Fagan. I will see you in the next video. Adios. <laughs>